Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. People who ascribe titles to Jesus like good, moral, or even a prophet actually believe they're giving him high praise. And we Christians should applaud their efforts. Unfortunately, these titles, I believe, rob him, Christ, of his true identity, and there's nothing good or applause-worthy about that. Several thousand years ago, a rich young ruler did the same thing. He went to Jesus and called him good, and then asked him, how do I gain eternal life? What must I do, essentially, to be saved? Well, Jesus' response to the young man was, why do you call me good? There's no one good except God. Well, this is in Luke 18, and I believe Jesus asked the question to cause the man to think about what he was actually saying. Did he truly believe Jesus was God, or was he simply being polite? It seems clear from the conversation that occurred in Luke 18 that the young man already thought he was doing well and would have little to no problem getting into heaven. You know, the reality hit him, though, when Jesus told him that he's got to sell everything he had and follow Christ. He couldn't do it because he liked his riches too much. Good question for us is, what is it you and I tend to hang on to and put stock in? We may need to relax our grip on those things if they're competing with God's attention and deity. Well, Jesus said things to the religious leaders who, instead of believing what he said is truth, took his words as blasphemy and really wanted to kill him. A great example of this is when Jesus uttered the words, I am. And uh, in his discussion with a- about Abraham with the religious leaders, and this was shortly after those same religious leaders had accused Jesus of having a demon. We read about it in John eight forty eight through 59. That's the context. But I want to read for you verse 58 specifically and a, f- and a few before that in the partial quote right here. It says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Well, how does a good, moral man or a prophet make himself equal to God unless he actually is God. If he is not God, then he does he does deserve death. And in fact, the religious leaders did take up stones to kill him because they thoroughly believed he was claiming equality with God because he was doing just that. He was doing that. He was saying, I am God. Will you accept it? They rejected it. Well, Jesus is far from simply being a good or moral man or even a prophet. He is good, he is human as well as God, and he is either God in the flesh or he is not. If he is not God, then the things he ascribed to himself and from others are lies. 1 Timothy 2, uh, 1 Timothy 2 3-6 tells us more about Jesus from Paul's perspective. Paul says this, this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ 
Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So in verse 3, Paul says, this is good. It is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. Then he goes on to tell us who that God and Savior is, the man Christ Jesus. So Paul makes it pretty clear that Jesus is God. First in verse 3, he used the term God our Savior. Then in verse 5, Paul states there's one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ. Paul is referring to Christ's humanity that he used to clothe and hide his deity. And you can check Philippians 2, 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 16, as well as other places throughout the New Testament. Paul is not talking about two individuals here when he says, um, when he says it is pleasing in the, in the sight of God, our Savior. He's not using two different individuals there. He's talking about one person. You know, we see the same thing in play when people are introduced in a way that highlights their titles, their character and characteristics, their traits, what they do, but still only refers to one person. For instance, quote, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to my mentor for 12 years, a phenomenal teacher, a coach extraordinaire and an all around great guy, etc. Well, obviously, the person being introduced is only one person. The, the person doing the introduction is not talking about four separate people. This is what Paul did. He pointed to Jesus, God, mediator, servant, and sovereign, all in various chapters of 1 Timothy. These attributes provide proof for us of Jesus's identity as God. Yet atheists will come along and they think they're complimenting God and placating Christians by claiming that Jesus is a good moral man and a prophet. For someone who did and said the things that Jesus said and did, he is either, you know, who he claimed to be or an absolute liar. He can't be both. Now, of course, if we refer to scripture to buttress our case, well, these same atheists will often come back with, you know, you can't trust the Bible because it was written by men. Whatever their excuse, they find a way to backtrack out of things. Even if they say that Jesus was a good moral man, do their lives evidence the truth? Hardly. It is a sad situation that many find themselves in because while they think they are giving God a compliment, they in essence are negating the truth of his character. They're denying it. How could that please God? It doesn't. You know, every once in a while, I think about a friend of mine who was a guitarist and a genius. I've mentioned him before when it came to music. I played drums on a number of his CDs, all original music that he wrote himself. I liked him a lot, but always felt bad that he was into the new age the way he was and was one of those people who saw Jesus as a good moral man, someone who should endeavor, we should endeavor to imitate in the way he loved others. My friend would emphasize God's love, but that usually translated to accepting everything and everybody, something even Jesus did not do. So today, though, many people think of Jesus as a hippie who goes around flashing the peace symbol and saying, peace, love, dope, peace, everybody. Oh, embrace, hug each other. They hide behind the wrongly used don't judge command, claiming that if we judge words or actions, we're disgracing God. Well, these people haven't read scripture. They don't care to read scripture. My friend died of COVID complications several years ago and is now in eternity. I can't help but think of him 
living or existing now with all the regrets he must be living with as he awaits the day when he will be brought before God at the great white throne judgment. I mean, good Lord, that is a scary prospect. I'm assuming based on my knowledge of him and the conversations I had with him during the days we worked together, that he fully rejected salvation found only in Christ, preferring the new age mantras and ideologies over Christianity and the truth. Now I'm certain he already knows the truth about Jesus more than he knew anything in this life. And I think he knows that now. I cannot imagine being alive one moment, then being caught away through death into eternity, where the truth is unavoidably clear and present for all eternity. There's no trying to squeeze out from under it, no chance of pushing it away. It is stark and foreboding in its consistency and presence for all who await their judgment. It will not be denied, as was so easily done for so many while they lived in this life. You know, we are living... In an age, I know you understand this, where truth is suppressed by the unrighteous acts of corrupt people. We see a perfect example of this with Dr. Anthony Fauci, who began his very public career as the go-to COVID answer man with one lie after another. Now, while some may argue that, well, he might not have known early on, but was merely making educated guesses to help society. Well, the truth is that he continues to maintain that what he said several years ago still holds, in spite of all the information that has come out, that disproves his assertions, especially regarding regarding efficacy of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and treatments for COVID. Now, of course, Fauci is now doubling down, and he's even gone so far as to call Twitterverse a cesspool of misinformation. Fauci's even begun to employ security guards because he maintains that his life is now being threatened because of Elon Musk's tweets, the new owner of Twitter. Fauci will continue to do whatever it takes to suppress the truth and attempt to vindicate himself. He is corrupt. He is evil, spreads lies, which have cost the lives of multitudes of people. More people are waking up to the fact that he lied and aren't happy about it. What Fauci and others have put the world through and they continue to push in this life. The truth can be easily hidden enough pay off politicians to push a narrative, toss lots of money to journalists to write lies and support the same narrative, censor and ban anyone who tries to push the truth, come down hard on people who insist on telling the truth or at least questioning the accepted narrative, whether it's about CV, God, or something else. All of this is fairly easy to do in this life because most people have a price and can be bought. And let's not forget Satan controls this world He's allowed to. Most people are willing to lie, cheat, or look the other way if it somehow enriches them, regardless of the harm caused to others. Corruption blankets this world. As I said, Satan is in control. But God allows him to be, for God's purposes. But once having left this life and arrived in eternity, only truth exists. Lies are seen for what they are. They are lies and they don't hold up. Only truth is seen and understood, and I believe it becomes innate in each individual, gained from a person's surroundings and ability to think more clearly than, than they did in this life. The story of the rich man and Lazarus seems to bear this point out. 
And that is seen uh, in Luke 16, 19 through 31. Now, in that story, which I do not believe is a parable, the rich man dies and immediately finds himself in hell, awaiting judgment. He looks up to see a beggar he was familiar with in the land of the living by the name of Lazarus. There was apparently a tremendous gulf or space separating the two groups in hell so that one could not cross into the other zone. The rich man was in a bad place, and he knew it. He was very likely experiencing hell as he as more real than anything he had ever experienced while alive. And the saddest part of hell and eventually the lake of fire, aside from the torment and pain, is that it goes on for eternity. And during that eternity, for those housed there, they will experience an eternity of regrets. There will be no do-overs. They will exist forever with their unfulfilled desires. Oh man, I believe the biggest regret they will live with is the realization of their rejection of Christ's salvation. They will remonstrate against themselves and they will even likely express anger toward God for all eternity that they did not see and were not forced to accept the truth, but instead believed the lies they thought to be truth. Now, in this day, we see a plethora of lies laying the foundation for the final global kingdom. And as such, it will become more difficult to witness and evangelize to people, to those who are perishing. Why? Well, just read Romans 1. Their thinking is darkened. They will embrace the lies of this age. 2 Thessalonians 2.11. This does not mean that God will no longer bring people to salvation. It simply means that it will become harder and more difficult for most to see and appreciate what God has done for them. Like my friend who is unfortunately likely in hell right now, many will continue to join him. Yet currently in this life, they believe they hold Jesus in high esteem when in reality they deny his identity and character and what he did for them. This will lead for many to an eternity of regrets. May we do our part in continuing to spread the truth of the gospel so that people might be saved by it. Thanks so much for joining me. And until we meet again, I pray that God will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 